Well, good morning, church. I loved, I loved the way that Nathan opened up the time of worship here as he reflected on the first portions of uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, if you haven't been following, if you've just joined us and you've missed out on the first um, many weeks of going through the book of Ephesians, I encourage you to read the opening chapters of Ephesians and to remind yourself um, of this incredible salvation that God has given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And even as we consider these practical chapters that we've been doing last week and uh, the previous week and even today, we need to view them in light of this incredible thing that God has done for us, this incredible salvation. We've, we've got to see the Scriptures this morning, and I want to just encourage you, before we even read this section, we need to see this as God's love letter to us. That our Creator has found a way for us to be saved. And He's sent His Son, Jesus. And that in doing so, He's written a love letter, not only just about salvation, but about life and how we are to be in the world. And sometimes there's really difficult things in the Scripture. Sometimes these verses last week and, and this morning possibly, and even uh, previous weeks, there, there may have been some really difficult things to get our heads around it because the world is shouting something so different. And I'm not ashamed to say that the Bible is countercultural. Jesus was absolutely countercultural. But we need to listen to the Creator, and we need to trust the Creator with the words that He's given to us in the Scripture, even if it goes and flies in the face of what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is saying. And so to encourage you with those words this morning, to take courage that all of this that is given to us is in light of this incredible salvation that God has given us, but it's done and it's given to us by our Creator who's written this to us and given us the Scriptures in incredible love. I had a friend once who rebuilt a motorbike engine. He took on this job. I'll get to the Scripture in a moment, but I just want to encourage you with this. And maybe a bad example to show a good example. And he, he took on this expensive rebuild of this motorbike engine. And, and this, the owner spent lots of money buying all the parts for this. And this young friend of mine refused to look at the owner's manual or the workshop manual. And he left out such a crucial part. And when he put it together, he took it down the road. And he, he seized the engine and he did so much damage. All that money spent was wasted. In fact, he had to fork out for the expense of that money. Why? Because he didn't get to the instruction manual. And so often we fail to come to the instruction manual. We listen to the world, but we need to get back to God's instruction manual. So why don't you turn with me as we continue in our series in Ephesians chapter 6 and reading from verse 5. To nine this morning. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving the Lord, not men, 
because you know that the Lord will reward anyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he is both a master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. Just so far in God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we come and we partake of this spiritual meal, we pray that you add your blessing to this. We pray that you would grant us understanding. That there will be application for our lives. And so, Lord, we come to you and recognize your scripture as your letter to us. Help us to receive it with great joy and to receive it in faith and then walk in obedience to what you're saying to us today. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul has dealt with some very touching subjects in the last couple of verses, and if you missed out on last week's message by Johnny, I encourage you to go online and listen to that, that section on the relationship between wives and husbands and the relationship between parents and children. And the starting point or the reference point has always been in terms of our relationship to Christ and our submission to Christ and uh, even Christ's submission to the Father's will. And so we have a picture to follow and Paul deals with it and he applies it to those areas of life, and he continues to do that. And now he implies it, applies it in the context of his day and age in terms of slaves and masters. And you might ask me the question, well, Paul, what is the relevance for us today? Because we, we don't hold to slavery. We wouldn't agree with slavery. What, what, is, the, what is the relevance for us when we consider this section here today? So maybe even as we ask that question, or maybe even ask the question this morning, is Paul condoning slavery? Well, we need to understand firstly that the kind of slavery that you and I have in our minds is maybe a different kind of slavery that was spoken about in this the context of Paul's day and age. The word that could be used here would be the word bondservants. And so somebody was bought as a bondservant, and the master was obligated in buying that person, obligated to give them employment for the rest of their lives. They were bonded to that family. And we have a picture in our minds probably of slaves on ships and, and different horrific things. And don't get me wrong, but this kind of picture that was happening in the New Testament and even going back into the Old Testament was absolutely open to, to bad things happening. But there's a, perhaps a slightly different picture that we need to understand as we come and we consider this. And so that master was obligated to provide a home and employment for that servant or that slave and his family for the rest of his life, or until he became free. That master sort of owned that servant. It's not a beautiful picture when we consider it. 
And we do ask the question, well, is, is Paul condoning it by speaking about it? Is he condoning it by saying, slaves, obey your masters? Well, firstly, the first picture is that we need to understand the context of this without trying to dilute the significance or the wrongness of that whole concept of slavery that was taking place. But secondly, we also need to understand that the primary purpose of the Bible is not to speak into the, the major moral issues of the time. The purpose of the Bible, as we know, as the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come and the Messiah to be a political um, king that would sort out the politics of his day, the Bible never does that. And Jesus never did that. The primary purpose of the Bible in speaking into the day and age is con concerned with people's relationship to God. And so here Paul, in speaking about slavery or speaking about the circumstances that people find themselves in, isn't necessarily addressing or condoning or not condoning slavery, but he's speaking to people and saying, when you find yourselves in the systems of this world, because we will find ourselves in the systems of the world. And he's writing and saying, slaves, if you find yourself in this concept of slavery, as a Christian, this is how you need to react. Masters, if you find yourself in this place of having slaves, this is how you need to be behaving. And this is how you need to be treating your slaves. But just for a moment, consider that. If we have a picture of slavery in our mind, consider how different that relationship would be if we find, as we see in this picture, slaves and masters coming to worship together. Can you consider, can you imagine the difference in dynamic? And a slave, instead of just being a slave in a Christian household, would rather become a family member than not just a slave or a servant. Can you see the potential of this change in circumstances? And so maybe getting those difficult questions out of the way this morning, as Paul is not condoning slavery, but he's speaking into the circumstances of his day and age. This is how you need to do. This is what you need to do if you should find yourself in this place. And perhaps for us, the nearest current application of this text, in case you're wondering, well, we don't have slaves, well, hopefully not in this country, slaves and masters, but the current application of that would be employees and employers. Maybe some of you are employers. Most of us are probably employees, and so we have that relationship. Maybe not quite the slave-master relationship, but there are parallels, and there is certainly application in terms of the principles that are applied here that you and I can apply to our lives should we find ourselves in daily circumstances. And so this morning, we're going to look at that and look at the principles that Paul brings to those people in his day and age in those circumstances and look and see how we can apply them to our lives today. Paul writes and he says, slaves, we could put it employees, 
obey your earthly employers, if you want to interpret it and bring it into our day and age and our own understanding. Paul, Paul simply says that slaves, obey your earthly masters. And it's a very difficult thing to do because what happens if our earthly masters or earthly employers are not wholesome or not good? We're going to get to that in a few moments. But Paul comes and he gives them this instruction just as he's given instruction to children, obey your parents. Wives, be under the headship. Be under submission to your husbands in the same way. The counterpart to that, as we heard last week, is husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Those two come together. Both need to do something in that relationship. And so we find it here as well in this circumstance. The slaves need to do something, and the masters need to do something. The employees need to do something, and the employers they are Christian, need to respond in a certain way. And so Paul comes and says, Slaves, employees, obey your earthly masters. We find in the text here this morning, in verses 5 to 9, verses 5 to 8, three principles that we're going to just expound on briefly as we draw some practical application for this. And the first principle is this. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. Now that's really difficult, isn't it? It is so difficult, particularly if we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. What happens this morning if I'm working for somebody who does not command or deserve my respect? It's a very interesting question. Paul doesn't give any room for that here. He says, with respect and fear. What happens if I don't agree? With my employer? Am I still to obey him? Well, as long as he doesn't cause you to break the law or to do something that God would not want you to do, the instruction is obey. And let's have a look at some other scriptures here because if we turn with me to the parallel passage in Colossians, we find that uh, Paul is continues to give that just in a similar way. Verse 22 of chapter 3, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And then even as we turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, if you'll do that with me, Another passage and another author, another writer, the Apostle Peter, as he writes, First um, Peter deals with some very similar issues in terms of families, in terms of being in the world. Um, and we find in this amazing book of First Peter, chapter 2, verse 13, Peter expands a little bit, and he speaks about submission to rulers. We have that word submission again that we heard last week. It's a Greek word, hupatasso. It means 
to arrange yourself under, to willingly arrange yourself under an authority that God has placed. And it says this, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority. It doesn't say to only the authorities that you agree with, to only the authorities that you and I like. It says submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men whether to the king as to the supreme authority, to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant, talk of foolish men, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood believers, brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. And this is from the scripture. Now, you might say to me, but surely this is for a Christian government. Now, let's get the context of 1 Peter. If you turn with me back to 1 Peter chapter 1, and Paul, uh, Peter is writing to a different sets of churches in Asia Minor. He's writing to churches in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. <clears throat> and he's writing to them, and in the opening chapter, we, we find that, and even through the book, we find that persecution and suffering is imminent. Was the government in these places Christian? No, they weren't. They were pagan. They were far from God. And if anything, as we know from history, they were anti-Christian. There's many aspects of our own societies that we find are anti-Christian. And yet Peter writes into the day and age of his hearers, and he says, Obey every authority. This is the Christian's duty that we need to do it. What happens if my master or my employer is not good to me? What should I do? How can I do that? How can I obey with respect and fear? We'll get to the word fear in a few moments. But listen to what verse 18 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter says. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but to those who are harsh. Why is it? Because we aren't doing it to the, slave, to the masters. We're doing it for the master. We're doing it for the king of kings and we're doing it unto him. Verse 19 says, For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. 
And he goes on and describes what Jesus did. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And so in quoting from Isaiah 53, those remaining verses up to the beginning of chapter 3 there. The first principle here, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, even if they don't deserve it and even if you don't agree with them. Why? Because we don't do it to them, we do it unto Christ. It's one of the ways that we can make a big difference. It's one of the ways that God is calling us to be salt and light when the rest of the world is doing wrong. We need to do right, even in our workplaces. Obviously, the limiting factor when our employees ask us to do something that's wrong or against God's. How about this word fear? What did Paul mean when he said, with respect and fear? Is it fear of the whip? Is it fear of punishment? Is it that kind of fear? No. It's the fear of not doing what is right. Have you ever worried in your workplace? Have you ever worried that you haven't done the right thing? It speaks of being conscientious. If you want to understand it in that way, that Paul was saying in our workplaces to respect our employees, employers with respect and conscientiousness. That's the fear of doing the wrong thing. Making sure that we're always doing the right thing. Being aware of what we are doing and what we are not doing. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and sincerity of heart. We'll come back to that one in a moment. Just as you would obey Christ. Here's the measure. Here's the measure. Just as you would obey Christ. One of the challenges that we find in modern Christian thinking, and perhaps it was part and part of what was happening in Paul days, Paul's day as well, is that we find that if we tend to disagree with an authority in our lives, because we're in Christ, we view that because they are not godly, we don't sit under their authority, or we don't have to be under their authority, or we have the right to rebel against their authority. It's deeply concerning some of the things that you can read and hear in Christian circles in terms of the aggressiveness of the language, in terms of the content of some of the things that you hear, that there is a rebellion which is counter to what Paul is instructing us here. Obey them just as you would Obey Christ. The second principle here is to obey at all times. I love this. Paul is real, isn't he? He knows he himself is a human being. 
and he knows people, and he knows himself, and he knows what we are like, and he knows what slaves are, or employees are like, and he deals with this really important thing. He says, obey them not only to win their favor, when their eye is on you. And I can recall my early days of working in the textile mill. And uh, at one stage, we did six-hour shifts. One week was day shift, Monday to Friday, six to six. The next week was night shifts. Now, you can imagine. So the bosses are not there at night time. Of course, they're not there. But on occasion, they will just pop in at a random time in the course of the night. The temptation always was for people to take a back seat during the night shift. The temptation was always to, to want to go a little bit slower, to take longer tea breaks, or not to do quite as much on the night shift. We're all human, aren't we? But all of a sudden, when you least expect it, that little door on the side of the printing works would open and here comes the manager in at two or three o'clock in the morning a surprise visit. And do you know how many times people are caught off guard? You see, our human nature is to only want to do it when our bosses, our authorities are looking. Paul writes and he says, no. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like the slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your hearts. It's very interesting how Paul uses this analogy. And he ties in the imagery that was so clear in his mind and to his hearers in terms of the slave-master relationship. Because this is not the only occasion, but several occasions he refers to Jesus as our master. And he refers to us as Christians being slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think uh, we need to adapt our thinking of the slave-master relationship. Obey them not only to win their favor, win their eyes on you, but like the slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. In other words, doing it unto Jesus even when nobody is watching. Working hard even on the night shift. Working hard even when nobody is watching. Working hard where the world would say it doesn't matter. You can just do what you want. Friends, in our workplaces, we are not only serving a, an employer, but we are serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this so practical? Isn't this really, really challenging for us? And we, we forget this, don't we? We are doing this unto Christ wherever we are. The third principle here in verse 7, and it ties in with what we've just seen a little bit earlier, serve wholeheartedly. Serve wholeheartedly. I think we're reminded in Colossians to do everything, whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord. Serve wholeheartedly, not with a divided heart, but wholeheartedly. 
verse 5 says that we need to do it with sincerity of heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward anyone for whatever good he does and whether, whether he is slave or free. I want to say this, that the Lord blesses those, maybe not only and always physically, but the Lord blesses those who work hard. The Lord blesses those who learn to apply this into their lives, who learn to keep on working when everybody else abandons ship and they take the back seat to be the one still on the machine cleaning, to be the one still uh, working where, where everybody else is taking a backseat because the boss is out, to, to understand that when we work, even in our workplaces, we are doing it unto the Lord, and we're doing it unto the, to the honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe the word wholeheartedly can be used, we can use this word, favorable disposition. Favorable disposition. Friends, even when it's hard, even when we disagree, even when we may have been unfairly treated, even if we don't agree, do it. Unto the Lord. The scripture doesn't give us room to say this because it's the world, or because I do not agree with my boss, or because I'm a Christian, I'm exempt from doing my best. Paul says. Do it unto the Lord. Verse 8, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. You know, the Lord brings about blessings if we walk in obedience to Him. And this is not prosperity preaching or anything like that. Life is difficult. The workplace is difficult. It's difficult to work in circumstances that you don't agree with. And I know many have difficult working circumstances. But friends, when we honor the Lord in what we do, and He brings about blessings, even if it's just the reward in our own hearts of knowing that we are doing it unto Him and not to anybody else. I remember just sitting in our office and in the text I'm on, this elderly gentleman, Alan, and myself, and just struggling with what was going on in this workplace. And just putting Scripture on board, on the board, on the notice board in front of our computers, and just reflecting on the Scripture and knowing that it's unto the Lord that we do this. And there's a far bigger picture. Paul brings balance here, doesn't he? 
We've been speaking about the slaves or the employees. And verse 9, he brings the balance. As he's brought the balance in the previous two sections with regard to wives, be under the headship of your husbands, submit yourself to the headship of your husbands. The, the counterpart to that that fits in with that, the equivalent that fits in with that is um, husbands, love your wives sacrificially as Christ loved your church. Children, obey your, your parents. Fathers, do not, the counterpart for that, fathers, do not exasperate your children. The counterpart to slaves, obey your masters is this. And he says, and masters or employers, treat your slaves in the same way, with respect and fear. There's got to be mutual respect and fear. Remember that word fear is, is the fear or the conscientiousness of not wanting to do the wrong thing in terms of the employer-employee relationship, in terms of respect, in terms of treating the person right, in terms of honoring Christ in all that we are doing. And so the context here is treat your slaves in the same way. In other words, all of this applies in terms of the principles, applies to the masters as well. I mean, obviously the masters don't obey the slaves. It's the other way around. But in terms of the mutual respect that is needed. He says, And do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It really struck me as I came to study this, that even though Paul is dealing with a controversial subject here, particularly in our day and age, slaves and masters, maybe if we apply it to employees and employers, that we have this incredible picture that is, is difficult and is misused of what that situation could have been in Paul's day and age and is what it has been over the centuries. But here we have a picture that changes everything. When we have slaves coming to Christ and we have masters coming to Christ, they both walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we find these two in fellowship together in this church in Ephesus. And Paul writes, slaves, masters. He's writing to slaves who are Christians. He's writing to masters who are Christians. And that whole relationship has got to change for the better, hasn't it? I really believe, and even from my own experience, that you and I can make a big difference for Jesus. Even if it's just in the way that we live our lives in our workplaces. Even in the most awful and the most difficult experiences, that if we choose to honor Christ and walk in obedience to Him, He can do amazing things. And to encourage you with that. It's been an amazing journey as we've walked through the book of Ephesians. Unpacking the wonder of the truth of God's salvation. And getting to these real practical life situations that are not difficult. What I'm saying today, I'm sure, is, is not easy. 
fact, I know it's not easy. Paul comes, and our Heavenly Father comes to us in love and says, this is the right way to do things. And when you do it, there's the promise. There's reward. There's blessing in this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Just as you would obey Christ, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Masters, Treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. I don't know what your workplace looks like. There's a picture of a workplace there. I don't know what your workplace looks like. I don't know what circumstances you face. I don't know what challenges. Some of One or two of you shared some of the challenges in your workplaces. But may you receive God's word with grace. May you be filled with his spirit and be helped to apply this in your situation, wherever you might find yourself, to the glory and to the honor of his name. And remember, no matter how difficult it is, there's opportunity to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so reminded that the Christian walk isn't just on Sundays, and our worship isn't just here on a Sunday, but sometimes our worship is our lives lived out during the course of the week. Casting Crowns, that wonderful contemporary Christian group, has got a song called, Let Your, called Life Song. And I don't know if you know the words to that. But the chorus goes something like this. Let your life song sing. And may your life song sing in the course of the week and the weeks ahead to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in your workplaces where you find yourself, wherever you find yourself in the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that even though it is challenging sometimes that you would grant us understanding and application. Lord, I want to pray this morning as we've dealt with this real practical uh, section of Scripture. I want to pray this morning for those who find themselves in difficult work situations, for those who have been unfairly treated, for those who find themselves in places that are not happy places that are discouraging, places that are where it is very difficult to be a believer. And all we want to do is just rebel out against the authorities, those above us. Lord, I want to pray for those in those situations that they'll be encouraged in the Scripture. They'll be encouraged to 
to turn and to do it unto you, even if it's hard. Lord, your word is difficult sometimes. But Lord, we pray that as you have shown us grace, and as Jesus has surrendered, that we would copy the example of our Lord Jesus Christ and walk in obedience. Lord, I want to pray that as we continue to look towards the next section in Ephesians, that you don't leave it off at this point, that as we consider the armor of God next time, if you will, when we meet, that you'll prepare our hearts for that too. That even in these difficult things, even when life is difficult, that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And so, Lord, won't you continue to prepare our hearts um, for each step of, of the way. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.